From Welcome Villain Films, the studio that brought you the horror hit Malum, as well as Beaten to Death and Hunter Killer, comes their newest nightmare, Mind, Body, Spirit, now available on digital. Directed by Alex Haynes and Matthew Miranda, and produced by Dan Asma, Mind, Body, Spirit follows Anya, an aspiring yoga influencer, as she embarks on a ritual practice left behind by her estranged grandmother. What starts as a spiritual self-help guide quickly evolves into something much more sinister. As Anya becomes increasingly obsessed with the mysterious power of the practice, she unwittingly unleashes an otherworldly entity that begins to take control of her life and her videos. Now, Anya must race to unlock the truth before her descent into madness threatens to consume her mind, body, and spirit. During its festival tour, which stops at Chattanooga Film Festival and the Unnamed Footage Festival, Mind, Body, Spirit garnered praise from critics who call it a found footage version of Hereditary and a knockout found footage horror movie for the live stream era. Experience the first ever yoga-themed found footage horror film and don't miss the film viewers have called extremely frightening and upsetting. Available now on digital anywhere you rent or buy movies online, including Prime Video and Apple Plus. timing i was literally about ready to say and welcome back <laughs> you gotta keep this in, in the i'm edit. going to obviously <laughs> who the fuck do you think i am <laughs> uh, and hello listeners welcome back to little cuts it's been a moment this is our weekly minisode where we dig into the things that we've been watching recently i'm terry and i am mary beth and this week we're chatting a sweet existential romance, and then, like, everything we've saw at Fantastic Fest. Um, I've watched so many fucking movies the past couple of weeks, and we have much to tell you. Uh, but real quick, we're on the Dread Central yeah, Podcast Network, or Dread Podcast Network. to tell you. Woo! We're on a podcast network! That's exciting. Yeah. Nothing's really changing. It's very exciting. Um, it's gonna no. be the same stuff. We'll just have more, hopefully more people will discover us and listen to us, and... That's it, really. Um, but it's cool. It's neat. We're on a cool network with some really cool podcasts like uh, Kim and Kat Stay Alive and Girl That's Scary and Mick Garris's podcast, which is Neato Burrito. I am a 12-year-old. And so, yeah, it's it's cool. It's a long time coming. So, hooray. It is really cool. And we've we've already moved to the new hosting service, but if there's if you run into any issues, I think everything should be transitioning over. Yeah. It doesn't look like there's any issues, but if you're a listener and you say, hey, it's not on this podcast or the, on this not, this podcast app or whatever, just let us know. That way we yes. can make sure that everything is transitioned smoothly. Yeah. It seems like it has, but yeah, it, you never know it, with technology. It seems like it has. Fingers crossed. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Woohoo! We're back! And it's been four years, we and we've got on a network now, and it's just cool, so cool. And we're going to just keep doing all yeah. this stuff. <laughs> four-year anniversary this last week? Nuts. Great. It's wild. Wild. Just wild. So. Before we do talk about Fantastic Fest, let us, because we both saw this, and we might have an upcoming guest eventually, but let's talk about this existential uh, romance. 
Because I know you watched it just today. I did. What did you think of The Jessica Cabin? So The Jessica Cabin is this like mumble gore, like very micro budget gay ghost story that um, our friend Brittany Sandler had sent over to us and, you know, gay horror. Cool. And I know that Joe Lipset, friend of the pod, had also recommended it to you, Terry, as this like kind of surprising, sweet little horror movie. And it really is. I I, I, got, I made me cry, which was shocking. But it's this story of a of a couple who go um, on vacation to this cabin in the middle of the desert. Uh, while they're there, these two ghosts uh, are watching them and kind of critiquing their relationship and then the couple breaks up and the guy is left alone and the ghosts try to uh, figure out how to comfort him in interesting ways um <laughs> to keep it from being too spoilery <laughs> to, say the, to say the least yes yeah also this was um produced and the production design was by the production design was by brendan haley who has is a he also designed the current uh gaily dreadful logo and michael verati is the is a producer on it who is a former guest um and so i was really excited to check this one out and i have to say it's an absolute delight it's very sad it's very very melancholic it's very melancholic but it's also it's like that kind of melancholic sweetness about romance that straight people get a lot of the time but it's also like it's not just romance it's also like platonic love and it looks at all different kinds of love in a really sad, interesting way and about loneliness and kind of like coming to terms with your loneliness and isolation. Yeah, I didn't expect it to be quite so sad, but it's really beautiful and it's sweet. Again, it's like dry and well written and it's just like it knows exactly what it is. And I love that. It was just very, a, a very nice like surprise, honestly. Yeah. And it shows that you don't need a whole lot of money or you know special effects to do something like this is one location there are some special effects in it but it's very much a character driven chamber piece uh, and it's just really well acted did you see really jessica well at south by southwest last year mm-hmm. Th- I did. this reminds me of jessica but maybe the a better version of it no offense to jessica but yeah, I can agree. It with that. plays it's not exactly the same, but this just has like this has a lot of heart, and the, I like how it doesn't try to be like I'm not I don't know how like it doesn't try to hide what it is, and I think Jessica did that a little bit in terms of like kind of switching the tone, and this one is just very consistent in, in its tone, and yeah. But it's one of those movies that I think is going to fly under a lot of radars, and so I'm glad that we can give it a little spotlight, and maybe even more of a spotlight later, maybe someday. But it is out on VOD now mm-hmm. to rent and to buy, and I highly recommend it. I do too. Um, especially if you're in, in the mood for something slightly spooky, but not really, but also just a romance. It's an hour and 15 minutes, sp- too. It's season. like an episode of TV. Yeah. It's, like an, it's like a long episode of Game of Thrones. So if you want to cry, watch the Jessica Cabin. <laughs> um, it made me cry, too. Yeah. <laughs> but... Besides that, uh, we both mm-hmm. have both in person and virtually been watching so many movies from Fantastic Fest, which just ended last week, which is wild to say. I was on the ground in Austin watching so many movies and talking to so many fucking people. I have never been more tired in my life, but it was incredible. 
And uh, I don't think I saw a bad movie at the festival. Oh, really? No, I, I saw I saw one bad one. It was a secret screening because Luke, like, why why are we screening a Luke Besson movie? Like, what 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 is happening? That's the bad one. <laughs> <laughs> That's the bad one. Uh, n- I no, I'll cut this out. But yeah, there was one other one that I didn't really like, but I won't. <laughs> You have to tell me what it is offline. Yes, I will. Um, I did see some really good ones. Yeah. Uh, I know we have seen like we saw a lot we've, we've of really seen good ones. Some good ones. Yeah. Like when evil lurks. Holy shit, y'all! We talk about Demi and Rugna's terrified all the time. You, if you're listening, if you've listened to this podcast even just for a couple months, you know how often that movie comes up. He has somehow topped himself with this movie. I think personally. I know that some people don't agree, and that's totally fine, but the if you listen to our Fresh Wounds episode about Terrified, we kind of, on our Patreon, if you're a patron, huh? um, if you go back and listen to that, we talked about some of the, like, the pacing problems that we had in, in Terrified when you watch it again. He took, like, it's like he took all of the notes people had about the story of Terrified and said, I, okay, I fixed it, and I, I, got, I got even more fucked up. Here you go. Enjoy it. And you're like, okay. What the fuck? I saw this movie uh, at eight o'clock in the morning as a press, as a press screening. What a way to wake up! And it was like a it was definitely better than a cup of coffee because I didn't have time to get coffee because I'm not a morning person. And uh, boy, oh boy, this movie is truly um, I don't know what treats the right word, but it's it's good. <laughs> but uh, Terry, what's it about? I haven't even like shared anything about the plot. <laughs> Other than just, like, my own emotional reactions. So it takes place in, like, this remote village where two brothers um, end up finding this very bloated man who, in this world, this, what I, okay, I I don't even know how to talk about this exactly, (laughs) but, like, there's this big, big bloated man that they call a rotten, that he's been rotting, and even though he's alive, and it turns out that in this world, I their possession is a regular thing people have to deal with. Um, it kind of presents this kind of almost apocalyptic world, like we're living in like the start of it feels like an apocalypse. And there's just evil is possessing people. And when that happens, it starts to infect the area around them. So they decide that they need to move this body away from their farm and try to minimize its damage and by doing so end up running into a whole lot of shit uh no one is safe in this movie which is what i love about it i'll tell you demian rugna has continued his i hate kids <laughs> fuck them kids jesus fuck them kids fuck them um, kids there's some wild things that happen here and it is it's linear so it's not like the um j-horror-esque non-linear storytelling of terrified it's telling a more cohesive beginning middle end story and i think the narrative is a whole lot stronger i think he's definitely leveled up in his his writing um in terms of making a cohesive story this yeah like you had said earlier i do think this is a much better movie than terrified even though i think terrified if you were to like isolate the first act-ish of that movie, it's probably one of the most terrifying things I've experienced. This is more of a con- contained it's, or like it's more consistent. Like, con- 
consistent. It's like, That's it, the word it's I'm like, looking it's for. It's a sustained tension the whole time. Like, mm-hmm. you're constantly waiting for the next bad thing. Like, it isn't like vignettes. It isn't... Because Terrified feels almost like an anthology movie in a way. Right. And this is like a sustained, constant tension. It's not a lot of jump scares. It's just a lot of like, you know, something really bad's about to happen and there is nothing you can do about it. And you're just waiting for it to happen. So it's, it's fucked, but it's good. It's going to make people angry probably because of how much kid death is in it, but like, whatever. (laughs) Um, that one was definitely like a big, a big, um, big favorite of mine from the festival. I know one that we both also saw was the origin that I wanted to just touch on. Oh, Cause it is the like origin. the, um, the like neo paleo, neolithic paleolithic. I'm so sorry. I'm like not good with that era. Paleolithic, paleolithic uh, era horror movie. Um, where not Neanderthals, but humans are traveling to a new land to start start to start new start fresh and in the darkness something is hunting them and it is so ballsy this is andrew his name is andrew cumming he's a scottish director this is his fucking feature film debut like what the fuck and this is just um, so assured it's like so confident in what it's doing it's so different and i think it has to be i think if it's not confident in what it's doing it comes off as cheesy and i think I got to talk to him a little bit at Fantastic Fest, and he was like, I didn't want this to be a cheesy Neanderthal movie. I wanted this to be, like, a good, weird, like, beginning of man survival movie. Like, And he talked a lot about Prey. I mean, it's going to get a lot of comparisons to Prey, but it's more than that. And I think even more, it's so creative in how it plays with light. And I will say, I'm really glad i'm sorry terry i saw it in a theater because it is such an incredible like theatrical experience in terms of the light and the sound and how the sound goes around as things circle the fire it is it is a really good theatrical experience i'm sorry (laughs) yeah i i my, my only complaint is that i did watch it on a screener and the screening technology was very compressed and this is a very dark movie yeah and so like the black levels were very compressed in spots and for a movie that is mostly dark yeah. and then hints of light for a lot of it it was kind of that was like my only complaint and that has nothing to do with the actual movie because the movie even though that was happening still pulled me in um there's a lot of attention that went into creating this world from working with um a paleolithic um archaeologist to working with a linguist that helped develop this sort of language language. that he was right this entire language that they're speaking because they don't speak english and just the way everything kind of comes together creates this very haunting um experience about gosh about spirituality about fear of the unknown about just a whole bunch of things that just work so well. And there's some really gnarly things in here. And I have to give a shout out particular to um, Sophia Oakley Green, who plays one of the main characters, Bea. Her journey in this is so interesting. It's so good. They do a really interesting job playing with gender in this movie, which was not what I was expecting. Mm -hmm. But the way that they play with like gender dynamics without it being like, it's fucking gender, like, why are you talking about gender dynamics in, like, Paleolithic society? But, like, they do it in a way that makes sense. It's not, like, trying to shoehorn mm-hmm. anything into anything. It's, it, but it, it is a really fascinating story 
and how it um, deals with that. So I liked it a lot. I was really surprised by that one. Yeah, I, I was really surprised too. It was it was one of my favorites that I've seen at the fest. Yeah. What else? Oh god, I saw so many fucking movies, and I might have to well, talk. Well, we do need to talk about the coffee table. Yes, we do. I need. I, there's gonna. I'm probably gonna talk about more movies next week because I saw so many movies that I'm gonna forget to talk about them. But we do need to talk about the coffee table. <laughs> Girl. Oh my god! Don't watch this it in an airport, like... everybody. <laughs> Mary Beth made a mistake. Mary Beth made a mistake. I cannot imagine watching this. In an airport. And, like, the thing like, happened in the airport, and I, I, I shrieked and grabbed Steve's leg, and he's like, what are you watching? And I was like, I don't, I don't know. I don't, I don't know what, what I'm watching. Uh. Yeah, and this is one of those movies that we're going to be very um, careful to talk around. Yes. <laughs> because it's one that I definitely think people need to experience, and it might be a minute before you can experience it, but... This this movie I was not even on my radar until I was um, recording with with Joe Lipset um, on Sunday, the last day that the um, online screening library was open. He's like, "If you have time, you have to watch the coffee table and then message me when the thing happens." And he's like, "And you'll know, you'll know the thing." And boy, howdy, did I know the thing! Um, so the, very briefly, this is a movie about um, a married couple that have had a trouble conceiving a kid. They have a baby now and they are arguing over everything. It seems like, and the guy just wants to buy this really gaudy, ugly ass coffee table. Um, and it has like two women in, in gold and their breasts are heaving. Like it is, it's gaudy. It is. It's like something you see in like Does, a Godfather movie. Like someone would have this like stupid yeah. ass table as like a set piece and it wouldn't actually be in a real human being's house. Like it's, it doesn't yeah. look like a real piece of furniture. And by bringing that piece of furniture home, boy, do they um, run into a lot of issues. <laughs> and that's all I'm going to say. But it is, um, it was a wild ride that had me laughing uncomfortably it had me sweating what the fuck yeah it's a spanish language movie it's one of those like i tweeted about it like european filmmakers just don't give a fuck kind of scenarios like yep it's fucked up it's crazy it's weird it's really well paced it's like the anxiety of this movie is just like horrendous like you can safety brothers ain't got shit on this on this movie like yeah i've never been more stressed out it's yeah it's like you can't talk about it because it ruins everything but like there are some moments where i was like is this for real like is this a joke (laughs) and it's not and it's crazy Yeah. So yeah, um, that's the coffee table. That's gonna be one that once it gets distribution, everyone's gonna be talking about it. It's gonna be like that year's like big crazy ass movie that everyone's gonna talk about. Everyone will be talking about it, and we'll have thoughts about it. Cause boy, does it 
go in some directions. But boy, I mean, I watched that movie on the pl- like on the way home from visiting my brother and sister in law who just had a baby, and let me tell you, that was quite a weird, ex- like weird set of experiences to color my perception of watching that movie. Boy, oh fucking boy, <laughs> holy shit! Yeah, that was incredible. And I, the, another, it's one of those. What a, that's one of those movies that I like. I'm so glad we go to festivals like this and we can watch. Like, where else would we have been able to see this movie? So it's it's cool to be able to to see stuff like this that might not get as much hype, like some of the bigger screenings of the fest. What else did you see that you liked? Um, I'm trying to think. I saw some movies that I'm like hit or miss on. Okay. Did you see mushrooms? I did see mushrooms. The ending made me roll my eyes until they fell out of my head. The ending. Sorry, I didn't like the ending. <laughs> the ending. I was like, "Are no, we I, joking? Like we? I thought we were done I with was, this." I was actually offended by that. I actually, you know what? I forgot honest. that I watched this movie, so I will say this is a movie I did not like. That. So le- I'm going through my letterbox and just like I'm gonna rapidly just say a few that I really liked very quickly. Uh, what you wish for? Culinary horror. Think the menu, but I wanted to see that one. Think the menu, but even darker. Um, in terms of how it goes into like eating the rich, uh, really like well done, tense movie and really well filmed and well acted. Nick Stahl is in it and he is really good as this guy who's trying to outrun his gambling debts and kind of stumbles. It would be a comedy of errors in, in someone in different hands, but it's just, it's like a pitch black fucked up movie. They pitch black comedy kind of, um, it's like that line of like comedy of errors and just like a series of just fucked up circumstances. Um, and I really enjoyed that one. That's that's actually getting a release soon-ish, I believe. Oh, no, it's not. VHS 85 comes out this week. It's actually out today as the release of this podcast. I fucking loved it. I fucking loved it. Uh, it's, it's like one of the best ones. I keep saying that with each release, but like oh. they keep... They're hitting a good stride with the formula. They really break format in this one, actually. So David Bruckner does the wraparound, and it's not like the typical, oh, a kid found a tape, or like these weird kids found a bunch of tapes. It's like, it's more like it formats it like you're fast forwarding through a VHS tape, and you're watching, like, like you're fast forwarding through commercials or channel surfing through commercials. Um, So his wraparound is like a documentary about... Uh, alien life and we follow that documentary as like the wraparound is almost like we're fast forwarding or channel surfing when our commercial breaks and so mike p nelson who did wrong turn the new one uh Sal guerrero culture shock satanic hispanics natasha Kermani, friend of the show who did um lucky jesus i was like lucky huh? mm-hmm. and then scott derrickson who did sinister black phone all that stuff so they got like bigger names for this one, which is like I would. There, there's a trade off here. They got a, like more popular, bigger names, and that meant that there was much more consistency and like kind of technical skill behind every single one. Like the the quality of each segment is so good. It just it's a little less VHSy in terms of like not it's not necessarily like new or up coming filmmakers. It's more like they're a little bit more established. And I know that like Natasha Carmani hasn't done a lot. But, like, Scott Derrickson, David Bruckner, I mean, mm-hmm. I don't know. It's And, again, it's not a bad thing, necessarily. It just doesn't feel as vhs in that spirit. But 
they also made really good movies. So it's like hard to kind of argue about that. It's just kind of, you know, sometimes I just like want more people, like other voices to get included in these kinds of things. Um, regardless of that, I really, it's on Shutter um, this week as of right now. So that's really, so that's a good Halloween watch. Yeah, I'm excited to see it. I didn't, I didn't get to see it at the festival. Yeah, I mean, I really, I, I really like, I really like each of the segments. Scott Derrickson's segment is like, is like a return to sinister form. Like he does like the Ooh. 16 millimeter, like weird, scary, okay. like fucking snuff film things again. And it's really good. Um, it's weird as shit. And I loved it. So. Another movie that is out just now that I did see um, from Fantastic Fest is Totally Killer. Did you like this one? Oh, yeah, I had fun. It was cute. A lot of a lot of people make comparisons to um, the final girl. Final girls. Yeah. I never remember what, it's what it's final called. girl. I think it's the final girls. Where it's basically about a current gen um, daughter of a final girl who her friends were murdered thirty five years ago, and then in the eighties, and they never caught who did it, and she just had a note left for her saying. I'm coming for you at some point. And the movie opens where um, the mother is murdered and the young daughter played by Kiernan Shipka and her, her friend who is designing a time machine. She ends up inadvertently going back to 35 years ago, the day of the first killing. And she's trying to stop the killings from happening to save her mom in the future. I thought it was very sweet. Um, it's not very. It's not scary. There's some kills. It's rated R, so there's some. There's some nice kills. I. One of my favorite things is that is that um, Julie Bowen that plays the mom. She in in her her kill scene just goes ham, and she uses a knife the right way. She is holding the knife the right way, and it made me so happy because most people hold it as if they're like fucking psycho. You know, just right, yeah. right, right. But you're supposed to have it with the blade up. Yep. You're supposed to have it with the blade up. And she does. And I was like, yay. And that's so silly to be so excited about something so small. But it still made me so happy because it's an attention to detail. Yeah. And I just, I thought it was a delight. I really enjoyed it. Yeah. It doesn't have like the nostalgia, as much as those nostalgia glasses that a lot of stuff oh, does, no. which I like. Um, it makes it feel more... It's very anti-nostalgia. It is. And I think, like, some of the jokes are a little clunky, where it's like, oh, there's the racism. Like, you know, it's a little clunky, but it also is... It also is trying to, like, be very anti-nostalgia. And I do respect... I respect that. And, like, you know, it's not always going to be perfect, but it does try to rebuke this idea of, like, sugar-coated cuteness, and it's more just like, no, these kids were all just, like, kind of shitty teenagers like everyone else. Their hair and their clothes are just a little bit different. And I like how it doesn't try to put, like, rose-colored glasses on the 80s like so many movies do. And it's directed by a clear woman of color, guys. Like, ain't that fucking cool as shit? She is a queer woman of color, and everyone was giving her shit when, it, when the final girls, like when it first came out and everyone's like, I made this movie. And I was like, it just feels very weird that we're being this aggressive about this. And when it is not really that similar and it got fucked by the marketing, I think, or at least like people's assumptions of the marketing. And that's a really big bummer because it is trying to do something different. I don't think it's like groundbreaking, but I do think it's fun. No, it's a lot of it's fun. fun. And um, again, and that's on that. 
prime as of the episode as the episode dropping everything and is out today yeah. jesus christ why yeah. why my god oh, you know what, what i'll stop like. fucking today the fucking pet cemetery movie on paramount plus pet cemetery bloodlines and guess what everybody it's better than it has any right to be i really liked it i know that most people probably won't wow. but i am an apologist for it and i really liked it i just my review and gave it three stars the end <laughs> There we go. That's the review. That's the 30 second review. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I have a, I'm, I recorded an episode with Joe, the episode that, that I was talking about recording where he's like, you have to watch the, um, the coffee table was about this movie for our, um, little side, uh, project on the anatomy of screen pod squad network. So my thoughts will come out on that, but I'm, yeah. um, it was fine i look i'm a big pet cemetery fan i love pet cemetery i think it's an incredible book i really love mary lambert's movie and i think that this is one of the few properties that women are allowed to direct in the stephen king world which is like a massive bummer and i think what i loved about this movie is it's Lindsay beers directing it she's did she wrote sierra burgess is a loser this is like really interesting it's like her feature film debut she's not really a horror person like in terms of what she's made in the past but she loves pet cemetery like in the q a she was talking about this is her favorite king which is really cool well she said it in the in the intro so i was excited to hear that because i'm like okay you seem to understand the subject matter and i think what she did was actually like she really tried to, like, bridge this gap between the book and the movies and try to create this, like, pretty humanizing story about Judd Crandall, who is a himbo forever. And I love that he is... Oh, my God. Just, the actor that plays Judd he, he, is so... He, I interviewed adorable. her, and I have a whole section where I was like, so you be having him running around shirtless and in boots? And she's like, yeah, that was on purpose. Uh-huh. And I was like, I love you, girl. Like, you did you did this for the uh-huh. girls and the gays, and it's very exciting. He's himbo through and through. I just think that there's, like, a lot of... Sin- to get lost in his brown eyes. I just think there's a lot of sincerity to this movie in a way that I really appreciate. It's definitely clunky. I think the story falls apart at the end. It's not perfect. You can tell there's producer, like, kind of fingies in it. But I kind of admire that she really did try to, like, put in, like, some kind of vision to an existing IP. And I think because I've seen things, like... The new exorcism, where it's like you had no point of view. I feel like here she's at least trying to get to some a core of something with like inheriting things from your like the sins of the father, as well as trying to trying to dig into the indigenous indigenous trope issues of the past. I think she's trying. There's a perspective there that I really respected, and I know that I'm probably like. I know I'm in the minority, but I I liked it. I had a good time. Again, I know it's not perfect, but I I enjoyed it. <laughs> I just think the script's bad. Yeah, the, the dialogue like, is not everything... good. The dialogue is not good. I will say. And I I do wish that we had focused more on um, the indigenous characters, uh, Manny and Donna, the siblings, over Judd, because their story was a lot more interesting than Judd. I'm gonna go join the Peace Corps. With my beautiful brown eyes. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Again, I know it's not perfect, but the bar in my review I wrote, the bar is on the floor, and at least Lindsay Beard tried to kind of jump over it. You know what I mean? Like, she didn't just, like, kick it. She tried to, like, grapple with it, and it was so funny in the fucking Q&A. I left, actually. I don't usually say during Q&As, but 
apparently it was like her and then she was like flanked by like producers and these like two white guys and like it was just dudes surrounding her and it felt like you could tell there was like a little bit of studio like about the whole thing so I'm just always so curious about like what that experience was like with her like trying to make her version of the movie while also balancing you know what I mean I I do think I do think that um yeah I do think that this movie um, had some studio in, in interference with. Do you think? <laughs> <laughs> the editing alone is a little um, clunky. Yeah. But you know what? For a Paramount Plus Pet Cemetery movie, I was pretty impressed. I don't know. I think it's a fun Halloween watch. You know what I mean? Like, by no means is it mm-hmm. a masterpiece, but a, a woman got to direct a Stephen King movie and she at least, like, had more of it. She at least had something to say. And I feel like we don't get that a lot with these IPs. So I'm just excited that she was given a chance to try this. You know, I, yeah. I'm i so, I think I like, a lot of it also has to do with my anger with like Saw X and with The Exorcist and like, Saw X was fine. Like, read my review. You've seen my tweets. Like, it was a, it was a fine movie that had some really weird politics that were like, huh? I don't get get it yes he has got questionable morality i'm not saying he doesn't but whatever anywho it's just like can we can we try something different can we give a person a queer person a woman a person of color like something nia DaCosta killed it with candy man like can we keep doing that so yeah this is just my ranting about like if we're gonna keep doing ip horror we gotta fucking change something because it's not it it's not it. <clears throat> it was like the big releases, yeah. at least. Anyway, <laughs> that's my rant about that. <laughs> ah, <laughs> and then a couple other ones. I'll probably say save some for next week too, because I saw so much good shit that I want to talk about forever. Um, Infested was is Terry's worst nightmare. Everybody, the Spider movie coming to Shutter next year. Uh, it is Terry's worst nightmare. It is very good, and it will it would give t- Terry would like leave the planet if he watched this movie. I think I don't think you'd make it. No, I don't think I would either. And it, it's so funny, like people people know me. So you had texted so me, many people were like, I "Did you text had... Terry yet?" At, at Fantastic Fest, like so many of our like mutual friends were like, "Did you tell Terry about it yet?" And I was like, "Yes," and it was very funny. <laughs> yeah, I, I had gotten. I'd got an email at the beginning of the week from from friend of the show. I love him so much, Carter Smith. And he was like, I just saw a movie that you would love to see, Winky Face. And it was it was this. And I'm just like, I asked him, I was like, on a scale of one to arachnophobia, how bad is it? And he's like, oh, it's way past arachnophobia. Yeah. It's, this Arachnophobia is tame compared to this. Yep. And I was like, okay, well, yep. checking that one off my list of seeing, because there's no way in hell I can yep. make it through. Like, I would... I, there's a, I was telling Mary Beth, there's like a part of me, there's this little masochistic part of me that's like, but I know that I would just cease to do I really, it. I want you to start watching it, and I want to, I want the time code of exactly when you stop watching it. You know <laughs> what I mean? Because like, and it's like, I'm not just saying this as like a joke, like, I don't think you would be able to like, physically want to watch it, because I know how scared you are of spiders, and this movie, like, I, I am not scared of spiders, and this movie, like, made me so deeply uncomfortable. And, like, they use real spiders and also have the CG. The CG is actually pretty good with the spiders, too. So they look really realistic. This isn't, like, funny puppet spiders. This is, like, spiders that want to fuck your day up. And they take over an apartment building. 
in France. So it's like, um, it's best described. It was described by Matt Donato at the festival as attack the block meets arachnophobia. And I kind of see it as wreck, like wreck in story, not in style meets attack the block with spiders thrown in. So they're trapped in a, a building and can't get out and have to try to survive. And the spiders are getting bigger and meaner and more deadly by the minute. Here's the thing. If we can get 200 reviews. Oh, no. Oh, no. Oh, no. By the end of the year, reviews or ratings. I'm looking on the, the ratings for iTunes. We have 107. If we can hit 200 by the end of the year, I will set up a camera and I will film myself watching however much I can watch of this oh, movie. Oh my god. To be. Well, now that we're on the podcast network and we hopefully have a bunch of new listeners, we can get to that and just torture Terry <laughs> with So that is that is that is my thing to you. If we get there by the end of the year, All right. I will torture myself when it comes out. You're so brave. The things you do for podcasting. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not thinking fuck, I should set it higher. Yeah, you should have. <laughs> but I said it. But you've already committed 200. it. You've already committed it. Um, and then the last two I'll just mention briefly before we wrap up. Um, I saw this incredible movie called Stop Motion, directed by Robert Morgan. It stars um, I wanted to see Ashling Francosi, I believe is her name. She was the lead in The Nightingale Um She's an incredible um, actor. She was in The Last Voyage of the Demeter. She was the woman that Jacul had trapped. Incredible actor. But in this film, she plays a stop-motion artist whose mother has died, who's also stop-motion, and she's, like, trying to figure out her creative voice, and it all goes crazy wrong. Robert Morgan is a really incredible stop-motion animator, so it's a combination of... It's mostly live-action, but there's a lot of stop-motion in it. And it's just this fucking gnarly, crazy body horror that subverts all these expectations of the crazy artist. I was like, oh, God, she's a fucking artist going crazy. But it, like, really fucks with you in a really cool way. And it's just really fascinating and also really universal and kind of, like, creative anxiety and trying to find your voice as a creative and what it means to, like, make your mark on the world. Um, It's really smart. It's really good. I fucking loved it. And then... I was, this was like something I did not expect. I am not a big like repertory screening person when it comes to film festivals. I usually try to focus on new stuff, but um, I had the opportunity to interview Malcolm McDowell from the festival because um, oh. Caligula, the the new cut of Caligula was screening at the festival for the first time since Cannes. And so for those of you who don't know, Caligula has this like crazy fucking production history. It was this like the most expensive movie ever made for a long time. It was commissioned by the owner of penthouse to make this like fucking bacchanalian display about a the roman emperor caligula he fucked it all got fucked up it's like the worst movie ever made he ended up putting like porno shots in it it was all gross and it was just like this lost performance and this restoration it's taken forever to put together but they have from like 96 hours of film negatives um this producer put and film archivist put together like the actual cut based on the script and you actually get like the three hour epic that this movie was originally supposed to be 
and you get Malcolm McDowell's actual performance as Caligula, and it is, like, one of the most beautiful things I've ever seen, even though there's a lot of fucking and a lot of full frontal nudity and, like, a lot <laughs> of fucked up shit happening. It's, like, I compared it to The Devils. You've seen The Devils, right? Ken Russell's The Devils. Oh, yeah. It's It's not the same, but it is in terms of these grand aesthetics and, like, just orgy scenes and just fucking crazy shit happening the whole time, and... Malcolm McDowell is this beautiful chaos twink floating across the screen with his beautiful blue eyes just, like, reciting crazy shit. And it's just, like, this incredible experience. And, like, I'm so glad because it is a movie now that I feel like can no longer be called the worst movie of all time. It's actually quite incredible in what it is. And it's horny and gay and weird and fucking gross and Helen Mirren's in it and she's hot and her tits are out a lot and there's just a lot of weird shit going on and I watched for three hours in a movie theater with Malcolm McDowell and it was the first time we'd ever seen it on a movie theater and on a movie theater screen so it was all just like cool so I if you ever have the opportunity to see this, you should. I mean, like, if you're not a big, like, it's not a horror movie, but it's, like, it's a spectacle, to put it that, like, to put it lightly. And then there's a bunch more that I'll talk about next week, because I just watched too much. There was just too much good cinema at the festival, so. Too much. But I think that's going to do it for this week's minisode. But Terry, who are we talking to on Monday? So Monday, we are chatting with John McPhail, ah! the director of... And in the Apocalypse and the upcoming Dear David, uh, which is coming out uh, next Friday, a week from today. And he brought with him the iconic The Wicker Man. Yes. Terry wore his In the Apocalypse shirt. I did. John has a beautiful Scottish accent, so get very excited for his incredible accent. He's he's so, like, he was such a bubbly person. Very... Like, effervescent. It was just... Yes. It was just a lovely conversation. It was. But listeners, you've heard from us. We want to hear from you. Did you watch something that we watched and have thoughts? Most of the Jessica Cabin. I don't... Actually, no. Actually, there's a, if this episode comes out, there's a couple movies that are out that we have talked about that you could share. So let us know what you think. Um, send, a, send us things at the email. Podcast at gmail.com. Or you can reach out to us uh, directly on social media. Um, I am on Twitter at MB McAndrews, and I am also that on Blue Sky, and I am at MB.McAndrews on Instagram. And I'm at Gaily Dreadful at all those places, so make sure to follow us there. If if Twitter falls under, I'm spending more <laughs> of my time on Blue Sky, so... You can follow the podcast on social media, Scarred Podcast on Blue Sky and on Twitter, and then at Scarred for Life Podcast on the gram. And please don't forget to review, rate, and subscribe. And while Patreon is still frozen for right now until um, things die down after uh, October, we'll be bringing it back. So please help support us if you would like to. Yes, please. Thank you to Eric Power for our artwork. Thank you to Sean Keller for our music. Thank you, everyone, for listening. Please stay safe out there. But most importantly, stay creepy. And until next time. Woo! <laughs>